0: back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who has been happy dancing all week, knowing that we are getting ready to be back on the Normandy. And I'm
2: Bravada, a girl who is, it's kind of bittersweet for me because it means like the end of Mass Effect. And also this game is just sadder than the first two, but still happy to talk about our favorite characters. So very excited to be back.
0: And if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep
2: emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you.
0: So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. And congratulations on recording episode 100 of the Mass Effect Lorecast this week. It's a huge accomplishment, and I am so proud of you. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar.
2: On November 7th, 2021, Jen and I released our very first episode of this podcast about Liara in Mass Effect 1. We've talked about a lot of lovers since then. It's been one hell of a ride, huh? The best. (laughs) I listened to the first episode again before writing the script And while I hate my audio quality in that episode, it's still magical because it was the first ever Two Girls, One Ship. Today, we're back in the Milky Way for the final installment of the Mass Effect trilogy, Mass Effect 3. The stakes cannot be higher than in this game. It is life or death for all sentient life in the galaxy. And one Commander Shepard is not about to go down without a fight. Who they have by their side romantically is up to you and we thought we'd start our journey with who some consider to be the canon romance for either male-shep or femme-shep, Dr. Liara Tassoni. I don't know how you do it.
3: You've always stayed focused, even in the worst situations. When there's so much at stake,
1: I think about my friends. Loved ones. What I'd lose if I failed.
3: Me too.
0: We'll stop them, Liara. Together.
3: I believe you. Or I believe that you believe. Maybe that's enough. As you can tell
0: from the audio, the plot of this game is much darker than the previous two. And ugh. I started to tear up while recording the clips, so I might be in trouble tonight. But if you haven't listened to our previous episodes on Mass Effect, you should probably stop here and go back so you can have the full context of the romance. We will also be doing separate episodes on the massive Citadel DLC. So these Mass Effect 3 episodes will not be including the romance scenes in that DLC. That DLC needs all the attention it deserves. So we do not want to rush through it. So, at the start of Mass Effect 3, Shepard is in the brig. If you don't know... Shepard destroyed the Alpha Relay in the Bahak system to try and prevent the Reapers from entering the galaxy, as the Alpha Relay was both the oldest and the most powerful relay in the galaxy. The resulting explosion led to the deaths of about 300,000 Batarians, and even though it was an order from Admiral Hackett, it was a political and humanitarian shitstorm. Humanitarian? Bateritarian? Eh. Either way, there had to be repercussions. And that was imprisoning Shepard while the Alliance decided what to do with them. They took too long, though. The Reapers invade the Milky Way and attack Earth just as Shepard is brought before the Alliance. Shepard escapes and is back at the helm of the Normandy to kick some Reaper ass.
2: The beginning sequence of evacuating our home planet as you watch these unearthly giant robots just decimating the city around you to the melancholy piano of Clint Mansell's Leaving Earth is just one of those game moments that will literally stay with me forever. It also really sets the tone for the game. The situation has always been bad in each Mass Effect, but this time it's desperate. Shepard has spent years warning everyone that the Reapers were coming and not enough people took it seriously. It's two minutes to midnight on the Doomsday Clock, and the only hope of defeating the Reapers lies in Commander Shepard's extraordinary talent of banding together even the most staunchly opposed enemies and Liara's Prothean expertise. In the Prothean archives located on Mars, Liara has discovered a blueprint for something called the Crucible, which appears to be a weapon capable of destroying the Reapers
0: for good. Liara and Shepard immediately hand over the blueprints to Hackett and the Alliance begins construction. There is something that literally requires every species in the galaxy to participate. The blueprints were made by the Protheans, but the original concept of the Crucible was made millions of years ago by some now-unknown species in a far-off cycle. Each cycle's sentient life has improved upon the design, and only the Protheans thus far have been actually able to build it. But they weren't able to deploy it. The modern-day Milky Way, however, is not going down without a fight. Liara is essential to convincing the Council of the feasibility of building it, and joins the Normandy crew again after this meeting. She takes Miranda's old office on the crew deck, and makes it a fully-functioning shadow broker's lair. Liar's information broker skills are literally the difference between life and death for the galaxy. Her contributions cannot be understated.
2: Yeah, she's pretty important. (laughs) And of course, the council can't really decide on anything, and they continue to waffle on what should be done. It's up to the crew of the Normandy, as usual, to take action. The end of the prologue is rallying the other races to the cause at the Citadel, and then Act 1 starts with Priority Palavin, where you have to save the Turian Primarch. I always race through the prologue so I can get my best boy back as soon as possible, but this episode's about Liara. Regardless of romance option, Mass Effect 3 follows the same formula the previous two games have. Flirty banter up until right before the end missions where you get the romance culmination scene. Most companions get a sex scene, but not all of them do.
0: After you rescue the Turian Primarch off of Palavin, Liara will reminisce about her trip to the planet when she was much younger. She will wistfully talk about the mountains that go on forever, and compares it to the current decimated state of the planet. Liara has always been empathetic, and often serves to remind the players of the emotional stakes and repercussions of this war. She mourns every loss. Like we said in her episode for Mass Effect 1, she's the only companion who really asks how Shepard is doing. Like, really doing. Maybe it's because she mind-melded with Shepard back in the first game, but she has always been acutely aware of what is going on with Shepard. And Shep can't hide Anything from Liara.
3: Are you all right? I didn't get what you'd call a good night's rest. There's more to it than that, isn't there? What's really bothering you? When the Reapers hit, I could hear people screaming in the streets below me. We left a lot of them behind. There's no way for you to save them all, but I know you're doing everything you can, and you'll
2: get back there in time to help.
3: I hope you're right. Don't blame
2: yourself, Commander. It's moments like this that remind us what exactly is at stake. Shepard can appear far too calm and collected sometimes, given what we know that they've seen so far. I don't think there is enough therapy, like, at all, for any of them, but these moments with Liara help to ground Shepard as a human being and not just the infallible, death-defying Commander... When you visit the citadel, you have an opportunity to meet Liara's father, Matriarch Atheta, who works at Apollo's cafe. She apparently spies on Liara on behalf of the Matriarchs, even though she's never met Liara in person before. Liara likes to sit at a table at the cafe and take care of her many administrative duties as shadow broker and VIA. That's very important, Asari, for the war effort. Shepard can prompt Atheta to meet Liara. And when asked, Liara will say that she knows exactly who Athena is, of course. But she has no intention of speaking to her. Shepard can persuade her, though, and I would encourage this to be done in all playthroughs. They don't have much more time left in the galaxy, potentially. Shouldn't they at least speak?
0: So I went back and also listened to our episode one version of Liara, and I realized that I used a clip. From Mass Effect 3 to talk about Mass Effect 1, Mm Liara? And it was part of this conversation that you have with her dad right here. The anthropocentric bag of dicks comment is from Mass Effect 3's conversation right here. Love it. Okay, so Shepard can eavesdrop on this, which I highly recommend, obviously, because we must know all the lore. The conversations start off awkward but soon leads to the two of them reminiscing about Liara's late mother, Benezia. Liara also learns a lot from Atheta, like how Liara has a half-sister who is part Hanar, and how Atheta was the one who first called Liara Little Wing, which is the nickname that Benezia often called her. Eventually, Liara will tell Atheta that she is the best father a girl could wish for. Aren't you glad you pushed them to talk to each other now? In hard times, you have to lean on your loved ones. Why else do we struggle through them? Something has to make it worth it. And Liara can be one of those reasons for Shepard to carry on.
3: It's selfish, but I keep thinking that if we fail... I'm only 109, Shepard. I could live to see the entire cycle come to an end.
0: Only a hundred and nine, huh?
3: I know. It must seem strange to complain about a thousand-year lifespan. I used to think it was sad that most aliens live such short lives. Maybe it's not such a privilege to outlive so many. To witness so much death.
0: Or you could keep fighting.
3: I know. It's just... difficult. Watching you get shot at out there. We finally have other leaders on our side, but none will take us as far as you can. Sometimes I wonder how you do it.
2: Every time the world's about to end, I think about how mad you'd get if I didn't stop it. I don't know if I could do this without you. Our romance option definitely makes it easier to get through the hard days ahead. After rescuing the Primarch off of Palavin, the next main mission is to discuss the war efforts with the Krogan, Salarian, and Turian dignitaries, and then help a Krogan female nicknamed Eve, her real name is Bakara, to escape Cerberus. Bacara is the last surviving female from Malin's experiments in Mass Effect 2, and she holds the key to ending the Krogan genophage. Somewhere in here, you should also head to Grissom Academy to reunite with Jack and save her biotic students if Jack is alive in your playthrough, but we're going to assume yes, because I will always assume everyone lives. I wish Morden could. (sighs) His singing as he cured the genophage... And wishing he had time to study the seashells will still make me cry all these years later. His game is just a bundle of adrenaline and sadness.
0: I can't start talking about Morden, or I will cry. Like we already said, Liara is the emotional touchpoint for the companions to reflect how exactly they are coping with this world-ending shit. And she is also the anchor for Shepherd, Romanced or not? At one point, she will come to Shepherd's cabin and ask how they would like to be remembered by the future generations and cycles. She's created a time capsule with vast stories of information, like the Crucible blueprints and the data on the Reapers, as well as cultural informations on the races of this cycle. She wants Shepard to be highlighted in this capsule so that their impact will never be forgotten. And she will place multiple copies on various planets to ensure at least one will survive. In all the turmoil, sadness, destruction, and war, Liara, the nerdy scientist, is the only one to think to preserve this knowledge for the future leaving behind everything an archaeologist like her would need 50,000 years from now. It's so good.
2: Liara's driving force throughout all three games is her unyielding thirst for knowledge. The reason we sought her out all the way back in Mass Effect 1 was because she was the best Prothean expert in the galaxy at the tender age of 106. This is an age where her fellow Asari are typically stripping or working as mercenaries, but instead, R is digging through ancient ruins by herself to earn her doctorate. She's singular in her passion for learning and her almost childlike sense of wonder that she carries with her even in the darkest times of the trilogy. Every step she has taken has been to seek more knowledge. She became an information broker, then the shadow broker, And now in the final game, she puts all her skills to the test and discovers the key to stopping the Reapers. No one else could have done this. No one else had the knowledge of the Protheans needed, or the stubbornness and skill to fight Cerberus to get it. Liara lost her naivete, that's true. But she adapted to the world around her as it got worse and worse. And yet she never lost who she was at her core. She started out looking back in awe at the ancient race. And now she looks forward with hope at the future, should the Crucible fail. If only we could have more characters like Liara.
0: There is so much running around the galaxy still to do. We aren't going to summarize the entire game for you. There are a lot of choices here. And maybe you didn't play it the way that we did. But if you want the happiest ending, you should probably rally every resource and every troop you can and do every single side mission ever. 100% the game. It's better that way. When Cerberus tries to take over the Citadel in a coup, make sure to not kill your Vermeer survivor. Go to the Ardok Yakshi Monastery and save Samara and her daughter Filaire. During Priority ranok make sure you've prepared everything to pass the reputation check so the geth and the corians become allies for the war effort and tally lives because i lived through that scene once and never ever again <gasps> and then after all of that we come to priority Thessia, the homeworld of the asari to supposedly find information on where to find the catalyst
2: Liara insists on going with Shepard to Thessia, obviously distraught over the Reaper invasion of her planet. When you reach the temple, you can wander around it a little bit and learn even more about the Protheans. I highly recommend bringing Javik along for this mission with Liara, as the two of them together are able to discuss lore in more detail than other squadmates. It turns out that the Protheans interfered with the Asari's early development as a species which is why they're so much more advanced than the others who inhabit the Milky Way. You can speak to another Perthian VI here named Vendetta, which I find very interesting. This VI held the secrets of the Crucible, so it was placed to exact revenge on the Reapers. The word Vendetta means prolonged and bitter feud, rivalry, or contention. This VI is located inside the temple to the matriarch goddess of the Asari religion, the goddess Athame, who ruled over prophecy and fate. The word athame means a ceremonial knife used in many pagan practices in the real world, usually used to craft a protection circle. I love all these connections.
0: Also interesting is each of the three Prothean VIs we meet start with the letter V. Vigil on Ilos and ME1. Vendetta here. And victory the VI overseeing the bunker on Eden Prime where you find Javik. So, that's just interesting. So, back to the temple. Kailang shows up and helps destroy what's left of the temple as Shepard and Squad escape. Liara is understandably devastated about the loss of her homeworld and shocked about what she's learned about the Protheans and their meddling in Asari development 50,000 years ago. Again, I highly suggest taking Javik with you at least once on this mission. There is so much lore that he adds to the story. Liara is also angry at her mother, who kept the knowledge of the beacon in the temple from her. Liara's personal flaw is her intense feelings of insignificance. She feels guilty at not having done enough, especially after Thessia. I mean... Taking a step back, Liara is probably the most significant character of the entire trilogy. She is one of the very few romance options that can occur during all three games, and we'll get into just how much more is shown during her romance scenes as well. She is the only squadmate recruited before Mass Effect 3 that can't die. And she is the reason Shepard is alive, and the Crucible is able to be built at all. Liara is key to the entire plot. And, well, okay, she can die. But not until the very end of the game. Low preparedness score, low war assets, and then you take her on the run to the beacon? And... Both of your squatties get blown up by Sov. But, obviously, we aren't doing that.
2: No, none of us are dying today. I also would argue that Bioware canonized her survival by including her in the teaser for the next Mass Effect game, but I digress. Liara and Shepard now have the unique bond of watching their homeworld burn from the Reaper invasion. Super fun for them, but Liara has the added disappointment of her rose-colored glasses for the Protheans being unceremoniously yeeted into the sun by Javik. She has long thought of them as this utopian society that held all the answers, but all this time the fate of the galaxy has rested solely on the crew of the Normandy's shoulders. There's no one coming to save them. Liara's faith in everything has been damaged. Not just in herself, and in truth, and the Protheans, but also in her actual faith, because Javik revealed her goddess was just a Prothean idea to explain the Asari. In reality, the Protheans basically just bred stronger and better Asari, leading to how they are today. So, like, her whole world has come crashing down, literally and figuratively. Shepard can help her to find the strength to keep going, just as Liara does for Shepard in their moments of weakness.
0: Liara can also be a welcome distraction from the horror going on around them. But before we embrace eternity, let's take a quick mid break to hear from our sponsors, list off some fun facts, and of course, thank our patrons. If you told me that Butt Cheek Beach was a
1: Mario <laughs> Kart course, I'd believe you. You know how when you're hanging with your buds and the conversation takes a nosedive into vehemently arguing things about fictional worlds that don't matter? Well, debate this is a show that tries to recapture that magic. The first time we meet Wario, I'm pretty sure, is in the second Mario Game Boy game. And I think his whole shtick is like, he's stealing shit. That doesn't mean he's anti-union time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two parts barroom debate, one part show and tell, and one part horrific thought experiment. He is certainly not stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, Mario is a blue-collar worker, and he's stealing from Mario. Mario. Mario is a centrist, and we all know that. Mario is upholding the monarchist state of Mushroom Kingdom. You cannot tell me that Wario is not anti-fascist. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you download podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to think about Wario being anti-fascist for a while. Go ahead,
0: Todd. <laughs> Let's get to some fun facts. Liara is voiced by actress Allie Hills. Or is that Hillis? Is it Hillis? I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Allie. I think it's Hillis because there's an I in there. Okay. Whose voice you may recognize from other games. She has also voiced Lightning from Final Fantasy 13 and Scout Harding and Dragon Age Inquisition. Liara also made a sort of cameo appearance in Mass Effect Andromeda, where you can unlock audio logs of Alec Ryder, the player character's father, and Liara communicating about Prothean data research. But it's data research from before the arc left, so before a lot of Mm. things happened. It was like during Mass Effect 2, right? Is pre-3?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like 2185, I think, is when they left and when that must have happened in 2186 is the Reaper Invasion. Invasion. So yeah. I'm not sure about months, but whatever. It was before. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I like that little Easter egg of her in Andromeda because it helps remind us that Liar is before all else a Prothean scholar like she has freaking research papers and shit. It's easy to forget what a scientist she is sometimes as we really only see her as Shatterbroker mommy in the later games. A fun fact I have is one of the composers for Mass Effect 3's soundtrack, I mentioned this already in the beginning, is Clint Mansell, who is also known for composing the soundtracks for Requiem of a Dream, Black Swan, and I think a couple episodes of Black Mirror. But Mass Effect 3 is the only video game he's ever composed for. So that's pretty cool.
0: That is cool. All right. Time to thank the patrons. Toasty, Apollo, Mystios, Win, Bat Knight, Lizzie, Becky, and the Cups. Loves, loves, major loves.
2: Thank you, patrons. All right. Jen, are you ready to embrace eternity one last time? Oh, I'm ready. Show me.
3: It would be easy for a single ship to get lost up there, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. To find some place very far away where you could spend the rest of your life in peace and happiness.
1: no place I'd rather be.
0: probably the mask side of me but bro Shep's face in this scene is pure seduction and lust that is a man who knows he is about to be satisfied but oh he is going to give as much as he gets Whew. the biotic flare is so Reminiscent of the original embrace in Mass Effect 1. It is perfection. And this is hands down the most artistic sex scene I have seen to date. It is good. Yuna and Titus get winner for artistic implied sex. It's gorgeous. But Shep and Liara... They are straight up fucking in this scene. The way that she fits perfectly onto his thrusting hips while they are swirling in the endless expanse that is the mind meld. It is a masterpiece. The only critique that I have is that it doesn't change. The sex between Femshep and Liara is exactly the same. I'm sorry, but for a woman to straddle another woman like that, unless straps are involved, rubbing your butt on my lower stomach is not going to do much for either of us. And we will get to this in a later episode. But they changed the sex between Broshep and Caden compared to the Femshep and Caden scene, which I love and appreciate. Thank you. But for Liara, the Azure Queen, you don't change it? (sighs) So that makes me more than just a little bit sad. I hope that moving forward in games, you consult someone who has that type of sex while blocking the animation. Anyone who has had dual vaginal sex would have instantly spotted that and said, uh, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. I also think that V has a lot of thoughts and feelings about this from the romance side of things. So why don't you take the reins, my dear?
2: Well, you covered covered it very well so far. <laughs> but I completely agree with your critique. Like, that, actually, when I was watching these scenes for both Bro Shep and Fem Shep, that was immediately what I noticed too. Watching this scene as Fem Shep just took me out of the moment. It just, it didn't seem right or real, you know? It's a much better scene with Bro Shep, and I wish they had animated it differently depending on your shepherd. But overall, I just think the scene is so beautifully animated. I wish all the romances in this game were treated with this much time and effort, and fantasy, because let's admit it, that scene is pure fantasy for so many players. I wanted to point out that the song playing in the background is the song I Was Lost Without You from the Mass Effect 3 soundtrack. It's a beautiful piece of music that really, really captures that feeling of sanctuary between these two. As with all the other Mass Effect games, the romance culmination scene takes place before the final battles. This moment where the two of them dream about running far away to live in peace and happiness is only a moment of distraction from the grim reality they face. There's no running here. These two will see this through to the end. And the end is here, once and for all.
0: The last interactions that you have with Liara take place in the final push for Earth. In London, to the beam that will take you to the Citadel to activate the crucible. The odds were never in their favor, and Shepard can say some final farewells to their loyal and beloved companions. The sounds of battle are in the background, and it's hard not to think about the sacrifices about to be made. When you meet up with her at the forward operating base, Liara will offer her dear friend, or her lover, one last gift before they make the push to the beam one last moment of peace and happiness i cut about 45 seconds out of this clip for audio purposes but v will go over what we see during that quiet time
3: i do have one thing for you shepherd a gift it'll only take a moment if you want it what kind of gift do you remember when I first joined my consciousness to yours? I can show you some of my own memories. Asari exchange them sometimes with good friends or their bondmates. It can also be a way to say farewell. Show me. Close your eyes. Thank you for everything I love you now let's do what needs to be done
2: my heart I know well the part that you don't hear it's something you see and if you romance Liara the two will kiss passionately brightly backlit against the void if not, Liara will lay her head gently on Shepard's shoulder, looking on her memories together with her greatest friend. Either way, it's a beautiful moment. This is why I don't personally feel like I'm missing out on anything if I don't romance her. They still love each other anyway, just platonically. It's a wonderful friendship between two extremely capable and amazing beings. I absolutely love that the romance doesn't take away the friendship either. It's both. It's both. This is another great example where they make each other better, not complete. A paragon shepherd can encourage Liar not to lose her light when everything is so very dark. And a renegade shepherd can embrace the darker part of her that others shy away from because she is silk-covered steel. She only looks harmless.
0: Love it. And that, lovely listeners, is where we would normally end our show. But tonight, we have a special guest. And when this episode is released, it will have been exactly one year since this guest has been on the show. Last year, we interviewed Pipe Man about how video games can help heal those of us missing our squadmates. And how the thought of Turians and Silkies is disturbing. But we'd still want to see it. Tonight. We brought Pipe Man back onto the show to talk about his favorite Asari, the nerdy scientist, Liara. Hello!
1: Hello. Since I could not provide uh, live music tonight, (laughs) I figured I would take my creativity elsewhere and share something that I came up with just this afternoon, well, this evening, For those of you who cannot see what's happening, we are making a cocktail that I am now calling "By the Goddess."
2: Oh, and it's blue.
0: It It is is blue. blue. Here you are. Ah, cheers.
2: Me and my boring ass green juice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to also point out that Pipe Man is an amazing mixologist. He created for me. The Garris-gasm? <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of this. The garris Blue Curacao, creme de violet, and heavy cream. In a shaker full of ice, combine the course, Shake and strain into a shot glass. Fill the other shot glass with cream. Liquor shot, cream chaser. Turian's based on amino acid. It's human ingestion of tissue could prove allergic reaction anaphylactic shock possible so don't ingest dr morden solace why did you put so much cream in it (laughs) oh boy it's from the entire catalog of the glass effect where pipe man made 12 months of mass effect related drinks i never heard of this well you need to spend more time on discord mama i'm sorry i'm an introvert
1: Well, I will send out a link. It is still available. Um, And hopefully, if I can get enough time, um, I will stream sort of a cocktail hour each month with like an instructional on how to make the beverage. And I don't know, we'd sit around and talk. I can't wait for
0: that. That
2: sounds like a lot of fun.
0: All right. I think we should also like start with the introduction. Hi, how are (laughs) you? Who are (laughs) you?
1: Well, thank you and yourselves.
0: Um, I said, who are you? Oh,
1: who am I? Who yes. am I? Um, excellent question. My name is Andrew, although you you probably know me as Pipe Man, so called because I uh, run Pipe Man Studios out in Connecticut, which is a uh, full-service recording studio um where I do a lot of recording, music production and all the sorts of all the sorts of stuff that uh that you hear on podcasts and streams and the likes so
2: yes. like our intro
1: music for instance mm-hmm. like your intro music yes which uh which i have to i have to say is actually one of the only pieces of music that has not been written down at all it was a uh it was an improvisation with a friend of mine jeff um he came over one night and i said hey i have I need to write some music for this podcast. You want to help me out? And so the two of us just decided to improvise the whole theme. And I think it should just stay like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't dare, I don't dare publish it because it is two girls, one ship. And that's it's what it's exclusive. Say.
2: So cool. I love that story. And also thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for the other part of the theme song that you contributed.
1: I will pass it on.
2: Oh, awesome.
0: Alright, so normally our first question is for you to give us a little bit of your origin story and how you came to love Mass Effect. But like I mentioned, we literally did an entire episode about your origin story with Mass Effect, so if you want the Pipe Man X Bioware love story... Please see episode 12, Two Veterans, One Girl, which by the way, the title of that episode had me fucking cracking up because I didn't know about it until after V produced the episode and I was (laughs) like, (sighs) (sighs) my sneaky, sneaky ways. Yes. I love it though. So we'll go with the first real question for the night. We discussed a lot of things about Liara today. Did you learn anything new?
1: I can't say that I learned anything new, but I think more importantly, I was reminded of so many things that sort of form that connection to Liara, not only as a character, but as this fixture within not just ME3, but the entire trilogy. I had had sort of forgotten about a lot of the conversation that happens with um, Athena, Mm-hmm. Matriarch Theta at the uh, bar. And so that was sort of fun to, to be reminded of. And even earlier in the game, you really find out that it's because of Liara that the galaxy even has a chance at surviving the Reaper invasion because she's the one who's at the archives on Mars who discovers the blueprints for the Prothean device And it's really it's due to her that everything that follows is possible. So it was nice to sort of be reminded of just how important a character she is.
0: We
2: wouldn't have
0: Shepard if it wasn't for Liara. No, no. Literally every
2: single game. I think that's what's so funny about games. First of all, it's like we play as Shepard. So everyone just automatically assumes that Shepard is the most important person. And so many people in the game too talk about how amazing Shepard is, but no one ever talks about Liara like that, really. And she's always in the background. That's kind of where she's comfortable, I guess. But like, it's literally all thanks to Liara in every single game that we even stood a chance. First game was interpreting the Prothean beacon and all that jazz. And then, you know, second game saving Shepard and just everything becoming the Shadow Broker. And then the third game, doing all that and getting the Crucible, like the entire galaxy would have just died if it wasn't for her. But everyone says if it wasn't for Commander Shepard instead.
1: Well, and and I know this is, I I guess I'll have to sort of adjust this adage because of the sort of mono that Asari are. But there's that phrase that you know behind every strong man is a powerful woman, and I think even if we remove genders and roles, it we should just change it to, you know, behind every strong commander is a powerful broker or a sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah. Scientist, nerdy kick ass mm-hmm. blue lady.
0: <laughs> I mean Shepherd oh, definitely yeah, is never... the face of it. <laughs> even because even if you're playing as Fem Shep, it's still commander shepherd. So regardless of that, so mm-hmm. I think behind but Shepherd is a good face. You know, Mm. they're the first human specter. They're expected to be something bigger and grander because it's like the humans got to live up to the stories that you've been telling. Well, that's the thing is like, they're all the best of
2: the best. It's just that Liara is the most important, like arguably, because they would have had the best of the best regardless, but none of them could have done anything if it wasn't for Liara providing the opportunity to fight back.
1: So, I mean, that's why she, that's why she survives. Actually, I should mention, I guess I didn't know that she can actually die at the end of Mass Effect 3 if you're, you know, if your assets are too low or if I you don't think quite counts. make the right choices. And I think it's at that point that you, ha- you have to you have to kind of unless I mean, this is a role playing game. I mean, we are, you know, encouraged to play different scenarios. But how could you not? put in the maximum effort into that relationship after everything that she's done for you. I mean, for you, just between saving your life, saving the, you know,
0: saving the galaxy. How can you not ensure that she survives? I fully agree with that. The only time that I've ever heard of that happening is the chaos runs where you intentionally go in with those mindsets of the, I'm going to kill off as many people as I can. So it was, oh, I think it would hurt a lot for me to actually do it myself. But it's interesting to play it out that way because somebody took the time to write the dialogue mm. differently somebody took the time to do all those different steps and for you to have a completely different experience playing the game through for the 800th time you can do it a different way this time and so while i would never have it be my canon run not the true way that i would want to play the game it would definitely be interesting to see oh well yeah no i i
1: have to imagine that it would make the eight hundred and first playthrough when you go back to your canon run through just that much more impactful. I mean, I've I'm actually I'm doing a run through right now and I I finished ME2 last night and I I, just, I I knew I had to sit down and talk ME3 Liara with you tonight, so I changed the difficulty level to casual and just did I think I did the suicide mission and the arrival DLC in like an hour and 12 minutes or something obscene. Wow. And just rushing through it, rushing through it, trying to get to I so I started me three tonight and I just got to Mars. We 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 had our uh Liara reunion and uh I mean yeah, that that was that was a chaos, that was a bit of a chaos run. But um but ha- you know, coming back to a canon playthrough, which for me, um I, I I always turn it up to insanity because it is facing overwhelming odds and you know. It, I, I think it sh- that your playthrough should elicit some frustration when you can't get past a certain point, and it makes it just you know makes those 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 moments those reunions just just so much more impactful.
2: I'm not that type at all. Like I'm a I'm a easy mode girl because I want to feel like a god when I'm playing a game. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just here for the story, but I do see. I never really considered it that way, of like making it actually feel as hard as it is narratively supposed to be. Um, that's kind of a good idea. I just don't think I would finish, be able to finish the game because I just don't have the time for that or the skill probably.
1: Somebody had posted on Discord something about like what's, oh no, no, it was a streamer. I was part of a raid party and uh, it was a streamer who is who is who was doing their first Mass Effect run through. And they mentioned something about, am I, am I, am I doing this right? Like what, you know, what's the right way to play this game? And so I just commented, I said, the fact that you're playing the game, that is the right way to do it. I mean, so if if you want to do it for the story, if you want to do it for the combat, if you, there is no wrong way to play it. It is your story to live.
2: Mm -hmm. I know. I think people get hung up over like, what kind of like, are you gamer enough? I'm like, eh, anyone who plays games is a gamer. We don't gatekeep experiences here. No. But back to Liara. So we obviously know that you've picked her. Do you think there could have been anything differently done for her romance in Mass Effect 3 to make it better or something you would have changed?
1: So I, I just got to Mars and I just you know reunited with Liara and that Opening scene where she's crawling through the vents, chased by a couple of Cerberus troops. She falls, you know, kicks her way out of the vent, throws up a singularity, and then just, you know, headshots them both. (laughs) Is it's such a turning point in her character from this sort of timid schoolgirl kind of figure into, oh wait, this is like the new shadow broker. This is and as well as the romance is done, I I think I do wish that there was a little bit more of the interaction between Shepard and Liara that's that's not centered around the I don't want to say inferiority, but ME one and ME2 were it was always like Shepard's the leader, Shepard's the he's taking point on everything, and Liar is the one who's asking for help, who's struggling who's you know or who who takes kind of a back a backseat role in the relationship. I would re I would love to see Liara do more of the leading to have it be a, a, a more balanced relationship. And it doesn't matter if it's you know Brochep, Femshep, but any any sort of improvement in that romance, put the player I I want to be as a as the player, I want to be put in the Situation where I'm the one asking for her help. I mean, I know she saves your life and me too, but you're you're not around for that. So I think it'd be really, really neat to sort of to flip the power dynamic, to sort of invert the you know the call a role reversal of sorts. To have Shepard go, well, I know I just came back from the dead and I'm taking charge now. No, it's I've been out for two years. I need I need you to lead. I think that would be really neat to see. Uh
0: yeah, and I think we see that for a split second in the Citadel DLC, which I know that we didn't talk about tonight and we'll we'll definitely give Liara her own moment in that. I love it when we see Liara Shepard is down and out, only has a pistol with no more freaking ammo left in it, not wearing <laughs> any of their armor, and Liara just saunters up in total Badass mode and having a rough day, Shepard. And I'm like, that's that's my Liara.
1: I like it's and it's like it's that little bit of sass too, which I kind of it's it's that it's she's building not only the self confidence to to take on physically situations, but to own it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's now the shadow broker, and even though she spent most of the shadow broker fight you know in cover i mean her character grows so much it's like honey own it all right like you've you've gotten to this point it's it's yours like i'll save the galaxy but i i don't want to be the only one responsible for it
2: yeah that's why there's hope i feel like like i know we said that she could technically die i just think it's stupid that they did that though because like they put her in the trailer she's clearly aged up a lot right for the next game so like i think she's the perfect person to have at the helm for like rebuilding things because she knows yeah. everything she knows everybody she's very very adept and intelligent and what's crazy she's only 109 like we've only seen her as an asari youth for three years and she's changed that much yeah. like and yeah. it's really cool. I mean, it's it's also unfortunate because you're like, for me, I guess I think of it as like a mom point of view. And if she's supposed to be like the equivalent of a human, I don't know, like 18 year old. And I'm just like, I don't, you know, you've lost your childhood now because she had to grow up really fast. So right. and she was always more <laughs> responsible. What or what other better word was there than responsible? So I don't want to like shame the Asari maidens that go. Be strippers or mercenaries, but like you know, they're just kind of having fun and experiencing life and learning stuff. Whereas Liara is like very dedicated and focused already, she's like that kid who was born and was like, I'm gonna become a doctor, and they're like four years old and then they become a doctor. Yeah. They actually have that motive, like that's Liara, you know.
1: When you live to a thousand, then your phases of life are just different, mm-hmm. so um... yeah. I mean, I, but she spent so much time in the backseat as the timid yeah. ac- uh, academic. I mean, that is I'm looking forward to the next game in the hopes mm-hmm. that they really flush out her character, not just not just more backstory or memories or any of that, as important as that stuff is. I want to see what who she becomes. Yeah. 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 And it's
2: like six, seven hundred year old BR at that point. She's yeah. a matriarch, you mm-hmm.
0: know? Yeah. I definitely need Liara to not regress at all in her character development. She has become what I view is like, her final form. She's in her ultimate badass mode. She's secure in her capability to do all the things, but mm. she still holds on to her level of empathy and caring. And <sighs> I... When she asks about how the other squad mates are doing when you're talking with Shepard, she asks about, after you go and save Jack, she has words about her. She talks with Garrus. She makes sure that everybody that Shepard cares about is also being taken care of. Lear's hmm. great.
1: I mean, when she sets up her office as the shadowbrook her Shadow Broker office, on the Normandy and you you go in and without speaking to her, but you just hang out there. You get like these background audio dialogues that happen between her and other shipmates, which I think is just it's great. It's it's, it's such an organic addition to the environment. And, it, it, you know, there's little bits of humor that here and there, which I think is fun. I think there's that. Is a Joker that wants to know, you know, are her head frills semi? cartilage cartilage, whatever
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: tentacles yeah and the way she responds is just like "Ah, like really this is like we're saving a galaxy and this is what you want to know but it's it 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 just it it makes her it makes her just that much more of a i think possibly a relatable character Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people think that she's kind of bland in that overly academic nerdy persona but I do love those moments of where she breaks character just ever so slightly. And you go, man, I really want to hang out with you after like two drinks. Who are you really?
0: Did you know that Liara smokes cigarettes? That was one little factor that I found while watching the videos. She sits in their little hangout zone. Yeah, she sits in the hangout zone with Garrus and they are sitting there. There is one lit cigarette pointing towards Liara, while Garrus is holding the drink in his on the other on the couch in the other side. Is this in the party for Citadel? Nope, on the Normandy. Oh, like where the little poker room is, and where Tally goes and gets drunk yeah, with goes? her induction part. Oh shit, huh? Where Kasumi was. I didn't noticed too. that.
2: Yeah, I missed that. Garris is a bad influence. <laughs> do we, uh,
1: do, we know, do we
2: know that it's a cigarette? I mean Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It looks like it, a cigarette to me.
0: And maybe it. Hayden and Vegas smoke cigars in that room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, well, we all we all we all have our vices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're saving the galaxy, then I have absolutely no judgment. You do <laughs> whatever. It...
2: She doesn't even have one as far as we know. So let her have that one like absolutely yeah i mean wasn't it it, has a guilty pleasure
1: i think it's turians like they like recreational drug use is fine as long as it doesn't impact the mission yeah apparently yeah
2: like fighting on the ship and then banging on the ship that's all a-okay as well yeah
1: as long as you get the job done (laughs)
0: cheers (laughs) to that (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right i think before we wrap up the show tonight is there anything that you want to shout out or plug, Pipeman? Man? last Liara thoughts?
1: Hey, last Liara thoughts? Uh, there's never a last one. Because <laughs> as soon as there's a last one, you just start a new playthrough. <laughs> um, Truth.
0: So...
3: So I'm starting a whole bunch of sort of
1: in-house studio projects. I'm I'm hoping to launch a stream at the end of this month. I have a whole bunch of different ideas, gaming streams, um, cooking and mixology streams. So please stay tuned with that. I'm on the Discord, Pipe Man. I'm on almost every day. I'll admit it. But if you're interested in any of the music that I write, outside of the podcast and Discord world, um, you can find me at... PipeManStudios.com That's P-I-P-E-M-A-N Studios.com You can buy my music if you wish. I have three albums both as a studio percussionist and composer and I have an album of um, traditional Irish music, um, which I do on the side. Feel free to check that stuff oh, out.
2: Right. You speak Gaelic, oh, yeah. right? Irish Gaelic?
1: I uh, Scots Gaelic, yeah. Oh,
2: Scots um,
1: hey, Gaelic. I, it's, I mean... The only difference between Irish and Scots is like blood alcohol content, I yeah. think. But but yeah, no, that's so that's where to find me. I will be posting more announcements soon about stuff that I'm doing on the Discord. So stay tuned. Uh, we do have our own Discord server now. So I will post that in the show notes, maybe.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. we will totally yeah. link PMS cool. in, the, in the show notes. Cool. I will link all the
1: things. Yeah, Link has PMS, Pipe Man Studios, PMS. <laughs> it's a great time
0: and he is always willing to share pictures of pipe puppy. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the show, thank especially you so like much the for having last me. minute. <laughs> of course. Always. I mean, I,
1: I think Genesis you sent me a message and it took me yes, it took me a long time to respond because I'm I'm bad at that. But I uh, I was like, oh, is my schedule clear? Yes, it is. So, I I love being on on the show. Thanks for having me. Yay.
0: All right. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Hostie, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and news of the future for all things cyberpunk and of course in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon.com slash Two Girls One Ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as
2: well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time. 7:30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller.
1: Hi, I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm Ariel.
1: And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google,
0: and wherever else you get your podcasts.
3: We hope to see you soon.